last week, I taught you on the hope hack. Everybody say hope hack. Because we've been focused on how to release faith. You see, every believer operates in faith. Now, the question is, is it positive or negative? Because you're going to have whatever you believe in your heart, wherever you confess your mouth, whatever you do, that's what you're going to have. If you're going to be the one that has, oh, it's going to turn out bad for me. I'm going to be the one to get the flu. I'm going to, you will be. I'm going to be the one that goes bankrupt. You will be. Because the Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. The power says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you believe in your heart is what you're speaking. And what I want to challenge you with today is you're the one that determines because faith is a law just like gravity is a law, right? And we come to find out now faith is a, Hebrews 11, one, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Greek word for hope, elpis, means to, um, what's it mean? Confident, Confident expectation. So what I want you to realize, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, or now faith is a substance of things that we confidently expect to happen. So the way you kickstart your faith is through building your confident expectation. And we talked about the part of your brain, the theta part, the imagination part, the dreaming part. And whatever, wherever you focus, your energy flows, doesn't it? And so therefore, whenever I'm focused, if I'm just imagining how bad the day is going to be, guess what? It's going to be a bad day. But if I begin to release my faith and just begin to start my day on the goodness of God and thinking of the positive things and start out with gratitude. Gratitude is what determines your attitude. If you start out with a grateful heart, you can't even begin to move in faith because in Psalms, I think it's 100, it says, enter his courts with what? Thanksgiving and praise. You can't get to the Holy of Holies without giving thanks. And the giving thanks is giving gratitude. Giving gratitude for where you're at, where you've been, what you have, where you're going. Giving gratitude for your family, your friends, ministry, kingdom opportunity, business opportunity, whatever that is, it's up to you. And what does that do? As you do that, it begins to build your confident expectation. And when you begin to build your confident expectation, we call that the what? hope hack. It's like hacking a computer hacker, right? They go in and mess with the programming. They go in there and they know how to mess up the programming and to get it to do things they wanted to do instead of things you wanted to do. The problem is Satan has done a hope hack on the majority of the church. He's went in and rewired the way we think and what we expect and what we believe. And we have that, the worst words you could ever have in your Christian vocabulary is if. If, well, can God heal me? Yes, if it's his will or if he wants to. Can 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 I get through this financial uh, mess I'm in? Well, if the Lord moves on my behalf. Well, if a job comes. If, see, if is that two-letter word that robs more believers out of the blessings of God than any other word in our vocabulary. Jesus actually said, religion is the thief of my power. Think about that. Religion can steal God's power. You say, what is it? Religion is what? A form of power, but it's powerless. Religion is rituals. We do things and say things and speak things through rituals. Now, it doesn't mean that religion is bad. It's just bad if you got the wrong religion. (laughs) If you got a religion that's if, could, be, buts, and nuts, and maybe someday, guess what? It's not good for you, and it's It's robbing you. It's the thief of God's power 
in your life. So if I want to have breakthrough in my life and I want to access God's power, I got to have a hope hack in my favor, not allowing the enemy to have a hope hack that he robs my expectancy that God can and will do everything he said. Is anybody with me right there? So today I'm going to start on another thought with you, and it's to do with growth, and it's growth, the force of faith. Growth, the force of faith. You see, a lot of people know about faith. There's all kinds of faith. There's the faith of the farmer. There's there's uh, there's a measurable faith. There's a faith that as a mustard seed when you give your life to Christ. There's the gift of faith, the law of faith, the spirit of faith. We could go on and on, but different ways God manifests his faith to us, right? But the key is we got to know how to even release the, and to access that faith. Whatever faith it is we need to apply to our life, how do we access that faith? So everyone's going to see, so everyone's going to the end of their promised land. So if you're going into your promised land, God set up this world for us and he's, he's set up for you and I to live in his promised land. Just like when the children of Israel marched around for 40 years and a whole generation died off because of their unbelief and they had the wrong religion, right? They had a religion that those giants are bigger than us and we're not well equipped to take them. So God just let that whole generation get delayed 40 years till they died off so the faith generation of Joshua and Caleb could go in and take the promised land. But remember, when they went and crossed the River Jordan, they didn't just go over and say, oh, there it is. They had to go fight in the city of Jericho where they said the giants were and all this prosperity was. But God gave them direction. Remember to march around, march around seven days. The walls fell. They went in and took the spoil, blah, 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 which is great. But they had to fight. Say, so you got to fight for the promise. Say, so you got to fight for the promise. See, what I want you to realize is you are in warfare. You may not want to fight. There, there's nothing worse than not wanting to fight other than not fighting when you have to. Where I grew up, they called that a chicken. I don't know about you. Cluck, 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 run, high, quiver, shake. And that's the one that always got beat on. Just the truth. So, you know, you can be a chicken or you can be an eagle. Oh, I can't believe he talked about that because bullies, bullies, but listen, the devil's bullying your brains out and all you're in is politics. You got to wake up. Politics is not your answer. People are goofy. They're not your answer. I'm goofy. I'm not your answer. If you're looking for your answer from a human being, you're just searching out a goofy answer. He called me goofy. Well, he called himself goofy. I'm what do you mean we're goofy? We're up and down, in and out, and all around. But God is the same. What? Yesterday, today, and forever. And if you want a positive religion, you need to tune in to what God has said about you. Does anybody want to know what God has said about them? See, that's the problem with most believers. We focus on what's broken or missing instead of what God has supplied. Oh, come on now. And then, then we're not willing to fight for it. Someone messes with your baby, your kids, you'll fight, right? Someone messes with your parent or a loved one, you'll fight. You gotta fight for your, what's yours. You gotta fight. It's called the faith fight. And we're gonna talk about that here in a moment. So every one of us, there's a promised land that God has for you and I. 
He has promised certain things to believers, and it's up to you and I to expect resistance. Anything that is good, there's going to be a fight, right? If you want to lose weight, you got to get aggressive. There's got to be a fight, right? If you want to get out of debt, you got to get aggressive. You got to fight your flesh. You got to fight your mind. You got to fight whatever you got to fight to get into that realm to start taking over the financial crisis that you're in and turn it in your face. Whatever it is, it's a fight. So you're going to fight. The question is, are you going to win or lose? Now, God already stacked it in your favor and says you win. But the only way you can be disappointed is if you don't meet the level of expectation that you set for an outcome. The reason 98% of the people don't ever win is because they don't set any kind of expectation at all. And then it's kind of, well, I just pray to just kind of wait to see what's going to happen. I go to church just hoping something good happens. I guess that's better than not going to church. Maybe you go to church, you get a message like today, and you'll stir up and you'll become a fighter. So how do we fight? We fight through what? The force of faith. The violent fight through the force of faith. So the hope hack was all about rewiring your mind and to get, begin to get you focused on that, that you can have confident expectation for those things that, that you don't even see. Because faith is a substance hope for the evidence of things not seen, not in your senses, your smelling, hearing, seeing, and feeling. It's in another realm. It's in a spiritual realm. So it's up to each of us to realize that we are the ones that are to operate in a level of expectancy that makes you thrive, that energizes you, that wakes you up, that gets you moving toward the promise of God. Now, if we're going to walk in the favor and the blessing of God, I talked to you last week, who do you have to partner with? Does anybody remember? Shout it out on the count of three. One, two, three. The Holy Spirit, right? Everything we do as believers, we partner with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. And when you partner with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and you become three, right? The Word, the Logos, the sum total of God, and the Rhema, the promises of God. In the beginning was what? The Word of God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. When you partner with the Word, the Holy Spirit, and your spirit, it's a three-stranded cord that's unbeatable. See, some of you act like you get beat a lot. But it's up to you. You can, you can make a difference. So the Holy Spirit, the only way the Holy Spirit can partner with us is if we have confident expectation that we confidently expect what the Word says. Not what your circumstances say. Not what your conditions say. You see, um, Paul and Andrea they had a certain expectancy, but they were open to hear God, right? And then it was like, well, we're not, we're, we made a commitment to get out of debt. And that's wisdom. And we're going to move stuff around, but we already made this commitment. That's a God thing. You know, you make the commitment and God's plan. He'll move if we need to be there. Then he moved. And then they're other wired thinking, well, then we got to pay this back. Well, you can't pay for your salvation, right? You, you can't, we owe God everything. We can't pay. We're saved by grace through faith. faith. Grace is a gift. Free moral gift from God, a free gift from God. Now, so 
What then happened, then they said, wait a minute, we're going to pay it forward. And now that seed that someone sowed last year into them is not only blessed them in their marriage, but that seed is being paid forward. What, that's a hope hack. That's a rewiring to access the force of faith. And when you begin to release the force of faith, college students stop moaning and groaning and talking about poverty. Oh, God, you know, oh, Lord, I got to eat, you know, macaroni and cheese or whatever it is. Can't even afford the cheese. Just got to eat the macaroni. Right, Ramon noodles, right? You know, the enemy would love to get you to look at what's missing or what you don't have. But what if you take what you have and invest it? What if you take what you have and begin to speak positively over it and begin to release your faith over it? And even in the barren times, you're going to see some of the greatest miracles in your life while you're in college if you will begin to engage in the battle of what God has promised you. Oh, does anybody say, yes, Jesus? You believe that? It's the same way with grandparents. Well, my days are over. This is, No, it's not. You're just ripe and ready to take the next mountain. That's all. God needs you right now. You're never out of the... only time you should be out of the battle is when you pass over to the other side. Right? That's when you're out of the battle. So let's look at this. Let's look at this. How confident expectation releases the force of faith in our life Faith to do what? Unlock the critical areas in our life that we need not only to sustain us, but to move us forward so we're not just blessed, but so we can what? Be a blessing to others, right? Your gifts are not for you, they're for others. Your talents are not for you, they're for others. Your resources are not for you, they're for others. And that's why the way God set this thing up. It's a pay-it-forward lifestyle. So faith to unlock these critical areas. How does that happen? Well, first of all, you got remember I said you partner with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and your spirit, who you are. So when you begin to study the Word, you're going to find out that, here's what I want you to know, you have a loaded inheritance. God has loaded up your inheritance. Just like I taught you last week about Abraham, right? Abraham had this promise, and he had waited 90 years, and it hadn't happened. And Sarah's like, I'm old, you're old, I'm 80, you're 90. Maybe go try Hagar, see if we can get that promise going. It ended up being the Ishmael, right? And we're still doing today. Finally, when he was 100 and she was 90, it said he did not really look down on his barrenness. He learned his lesson. I'm just going to thank God for my promise. And she was with child. At first, they kind of laughed at God. Okay, I'm 90 and she's 80. And now she's 90 and I'm 100. And they kind of laughed at God. But because he got his confident expectation up that he had a covenant with God and God promised them that is his inheritance. If he would do his part, God would do his part. And that's how they got their Isaac. Does anybody need your Isaac? Your Isaac in your relationship, your marriage, your health, your finances, ministry, whatever that might be, your business. If you need your Isaac, here's the way you get your Isaac. You have to know, first of all, that you have a loaded inheritance now. Everybody say now. Remember in Hebrews 11, 1, when we discuss faith, faith is not future. Hope is not. Natural hope is future oriented, right? But when I have a confident expectation with faith, I got to bring that confident expectation into my now. Now faith is the substance of things I confidently expect. Now faith is the substance of the healing I confidently expect. Now faith is the substance of the salvation of my household. 
Now faith is the substance of my financial breakthrough. Now faith is the substance of my deliverance from an addiction. Now faith is the substance of the ministry that I confidently expect. So as I confidently expect, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, I am God, and I change not. And in Isaiah 55, he said, my word, everybody say his word. God said, my word will go forth and perform the very thing I sent it to do. When you partner with the Holy Spirit, when you partner with confident expectation, the word, the logos, and the promise, the rhema of God, and you begin to speak that, and you begin to have confident expectation that it's right now, right now, it's happening right now. Woo, look out, devil. Hmm? Remember, we talked about it in Ephesians 6, what? for we wrestle what? Not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and evil rulers and wickedness where in high places. So you're not wrestling the carnal. You're not wrestling the flesh. It's a spiritual and unseen battle. And that spiritual battle is a, if it says wrestle, then that means that this, this, there's some contact. You know, even if you choose not to fight, you're in some contact. Anybody have a bill popped up you couldn't pay and didn't expect? Wave at me sometime in your life, right? Anybody have a sickness that made you miserable for a season in your life? Wave at me real right. Anybody have a relationship that broke your heart somewhere along? Just wave at me. Man, a lot of you are just saints. You should have already been with Enoch. You was and you was not because, man, it just looks like you hadn't had any issues. I want you to pray for me today. See, 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 whenever we get into this situation, guys, Whenever we're, where was I at before I got kind of funny or insulting one or the other? Well, it depends on who you are, I guess. So what was I saying right before that? Common expectation. Oh, anybody had, so when you've had a bill popped up, when you've had an illness popped up, when you've had a financial test pop up, when you've had a relationship issue, what is that? That's a fight. Now you can choose not to fight and just get your little brains beat out if you want to. You could choose to suffer and suffer and suffer over that relationship. Some of you are still suffering over stupid stuff that happened 20 years ago, five years ago, a month ago. Every time you think about it, do you feel it? When you were insulted in the fourth grade and embarrassed at lunch and all the kids laughed at you, when you think about that, what happens? Feelings. You know why? Emotions are energy. And if you have negative emotions, you have negative energy. If you have positive emotions, you have positive energy. Your emotions reflect the energy that you're living in and that you're walking in and that you're talking in. And so you've been in a fight. The Bible says, I'm going to talk about it in a minute, fight, what the good fight of faith, right? So you're in a fight. You've been in a fight. You could choose to get what you've been getting or get less, or you could choose to man up, woman up, step into what God has said about you. Woo, three people like that. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm, I'm working it. I'm working it. Praise God. I'm, say, well, they're just so emotional at this church. Maybe they're alive. But anyway, so let's look at this. You have a very loaded inheritance. Where though? Where is it? Here's the key. Here's what I want you to get. We have a, well, I don't see that blessing in my life that preacher talking about because you don't see into the unseen and you can't see in the unseen without confident expectancy through the force of faith. Because where is my inheritance? The Bible says where is it? It's in the heavenly realm. 
right? So we have a loaded inheritance, the Bible says, in heavenly places. But you and I need them, right? So we don't need them in the unseen heavenly places. We need them in our now, right? We need them in our life. So Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, everybody say has, blessed us with what? Every, everybody say every, spiritual blessing where? In heavenly places. But how do we access it? In Christ, the hope of glory. Everything you need was packed into your salvation. First Peter 2.24 says what? By his stripes, Christ's stripes, you what? Were healed. Man, I just don't know if it's God's will to heal me. I just don't know. Well, then you don't read the Bible. See, you got to get in the Word. Mark chapter 7, Jesus was asked one time, only one time in all of his time on earth, is it his will to heal? When the leper came, said, Master, and he came in and risked his life because usually they would stone him when they came in and they were outside the camps, outside the cities. And he came rushing in and said, Master, wilt thou make me whole? Will you make me whole? Will you, W-H-O-L, will you heal me? Now, it had been a great time, Rick, for the Lord to say, you know, this really stinks for you, dude. I hate it. You're a nice guy, but you're the only one that's going to ask me this, that it's going to be documented in this thing called the Word of God, the Bible. And there's a lot of things that weren't documented, but this is really important because it's the only time it's going to be documented that I'm asked this question. So i got to let you suffer and die with this. I... Now, what did Jesus say? Be thou made whole. And that very hour, what? He was healed. And when you think of a leper who stinks and their flesh is eaten off their body and disfigured, just the odor alone is horrible. And, and then, you know, you didn't have repellents to get flies and bugs and worms off of you. You're sleeping. Just, it's gross, right? Is that gross? Imagine what it was like for all those people standing around and watch this leper get brand new flesh. Whatever was missing was put back perfectly. So that was the only time God was asked if it will, his will to heal. So you can agree with people and die early. You know, you still win. You get to go to heaven early. Or you can fight the good fight of faith by having a confident expectation that God is who he says he is and God will do exactly what he said he would do and let every person be a liar. It's your choice. Well, I just never heard that in church. Well, then, you know, you need to get it in your spirit. It only good if you hear it in church, it's not going to change you. It's not going to change you till you put it in your heart and you believe it and have confident expectation. You do what the word tells you to do, right? So we already see, we already have all these blessings. Where are they? In heavenly places or in heavenly realms? Where? In Christ Jesus. Everything, your salvation is in Christ, right? Everything you need is in Christ in the heavenly realm. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, uh, taking care of things on your behalf. Now look at 2 Peter 1, 3. <clears throat> says, as his divine power, divine theos, means the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as his divine power has given to us What's that say? What's that say? What's that say? All things that pertain to headaches, sickness, and gut disease or something. All things that pertain to poverty and fear and disobedience. All things 
has given to us all things that give us a good mediocre life that we might make it 70 years maybe. Oh, it says has given to us what all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness through what? Through the knowledge, the word, the knowledge of who? Him who called us by glory, doxa, God made visible, and virtue. The Greek word there for virtue is the same word there we get for dunamis. It's a power word. And virtue is talking about not only character and integrity, but the godliness there already explains that. But virtue is a form of power that's released through believing in God. So you're not only godly, but you receive the power that's in you, how to access and release that power, that dunamis power, which does two things. It breaks and destroys like dynamite, and it transfers power and builds up dynamically like a dynamo. It takes like water and steam, produces what? Electricity through dynamics. Woo. Preacher hot today. It's telling you. It's hot today, man. Gertrude, I thought they fixed that air conditioner. Okay. Now, what's God has given us? What? All things. Everybody say, all things. So that means all things in your life that pertain to godliness and life. Not Satan is not the God of life. He's the God of what? Death. Jesus said what in John 10, 10? I have come to, says Satan has come to do what? But kill, steal, destroy. But I, Jesus, have done what? Come to give life and give life what? More abundantly. Devil bad, God good. I know that's tough for some people, especially preachers at funerals. Well, the Lord picked another lily today. No, buddy. <laughs> we live in a cursed world. Adam and Eve betrayed God and took on the God of this world, the little God, Satan, and gave him their authority and dominion of the earth. And it was announced that they would die and any seed coming after them would die. But God said it's appointed only one time for man to die. Not dying in carnality, but dying in your spirit. You were born with a soul, mind, will, and emotions. You were born with flesh, blood, and bones, but your spirit, the part of you that's what? Just like God. Does anybody believe God is a spirit? So what do you want to do with Genesis 26 and 21, 26, 27? That he has created, God said, I've created them in my own image and likeness. Have we created them both male and female? What? To be just like God. They were created to be just like God in spirit form. He said, a human man out of the dust of the earth breathes away God like life into him. And he became a walking, talking soul. I don't know. I just haven't heard this stuff before. Good. Should be easier for you to believe. So what were you born? What got? Oh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in John 3. Master, the great rabbi, Nicodemus, what must I do to be saved? Well, you need to be washed by the word of God and you need to be born again. To what? Enter the kingdom of God. But 
I'm old and my mother's deceased. How can I go up into the womb of an old deceased woman in a tomb and be reborn? And he said, no, you, to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again through the washing of the word of God and through, I think, the spirit or whatever. And Nicodemus going away like, I don't know how that works. Because he had limited belief. It wasn't the way he was taught it would be. The only thing that's separating you from getting what you haven't gotten yet is believing what you always believed. That's why that growth event is important for you to break those limiting beliefs off your life. What do you say? To enter the kingdom of God, which gives me access to the promises, I must be what? Born again. But also to see the kingdom of God, to see in the unseen realm to release faith, to see into the unseen realm healing and deliverance and miracles and blessing and ministry and signs and wonders. Quiet in the house of God here. So is appointed, but what once for a person to die? What's he talking about? From the time that they died because of the sin of Adam and Eve. What is death? We look at death like you don't breathe anymore and your body decays. Death in the Bible means separation from God. He said, you'll be eternally separated from me. So until our spirit that was abiding in a state of death was reborn, born again, we could not be reunited with God because God is not flesh, he's spirit. So it's only appointed one time for you to die. But we as Christians die over and over and over. Every time your check comes, every time the bill comes, every time your feelings get hurt, you know, every time the dog barks at you, you know, here we go again. Gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If you're over 60, you know what that is. That's hee-haw. I just watched it at a young age. That's all. So anyway, So God has done what? If you don't get anything else today, God has given you and I all things that pertain to godliness and the kind of life he wants you to have, right? First Timothy 4.8 says, for boldly, for the body, boldly, for bodily exercise profits little. Now it can keep you around longer and we're going to get into that in vitality, right? For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that what now is and the life which is to come. God has ordained good things for your life and all those good things are in Christ, the hope of glory. And through that salvation, it gives us access to tap in with the force of faith to bring the future into the now. Well, let me prove it's in your prayer life. If you don't pray, Here's the way you pray. Even if you do pray, you should at least pray this prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You know, when we get to heaven someday. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth. I know this is a trick question. Where are you right now? Where? Thy kingdom come. Thy will. And God said it's not his will to still kill or destroy. That's the devil's will. Right? Hmm. Thy will. Anybody believe that if you're an amputee, when you get to heaven, the Bible says you'll get a new body, will you have new limbs? So it's in the heavenly realm. Hmm. Anybody believe that you have an addiction and you can't get free of it, but if you die, you go to heaven and you're a Christian, well, you're going to get free from the addiction, right? Huh. 
So you're saying, if I'm poor, when I get to heaven, my driveway is gold. And my house is a mansion. And my gates are made of pearl. Is that a person of poverty? So if wealth, health, relationship, spirit, anointing, all that is where? In the heavenly realm. That's God's will. So even when you can't believe, at least line up with his will and be a parrot and start mimicking it. Before long, if you say it enough, you might believe it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not only on earth, but in your marriage. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in your finances. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in your body. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in your spirit. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in your ministry. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in your business. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in your career. So which God's will do you want? Little G, little wimpy Satan that the Bible says grows dimmer day by day. He's weaker now than he was yesterday or a thousand years ago. And we put him on a pedestal like he's omnipotent and omnipresent and omniscient. And he's not. If he was omnipresent, my friend, why would he have to go to and fro to accuse the brethren? He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. If he was, you'd already be dead, and I'd be dead, and God would be off the throne. So he's not all-powerful. He's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing because he only knows what you tell him. And he's not omnipresent. He wouldn't have to go to and fro and accuse the brethren. So what's so big and bad about the devil who the Bible says should be under your feet and not in your ear? The gates of hell shall not Against the church. We are the ones that kick the gates open and step on our territory, finances, healing, relationships, deliverance, ministry, and what? We cast a property jumper off it. We evict the freeloader called Satan. Or you could just dwell with him and be miserable. So let's try to wrap up here. So for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable what? for all things. Having promise of what? Life that now is and that which is to come. So just think about it. God has ordained your life to walk in the blessing and favor, but you've got to fight for it. Psalm 34.10 says, The young lions lack and suffer hunger. Look now. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. He's not out to hold anything good for you, back from you. He's not out to rob or steal or kill anything to do in your life. See, Paul gives us a clue how to actualize uh, our heritage in the earth from God. He gives us a clue. He says in 1 Timothy 6, 12, and this is what I want to get to, and I'll wrap up with this. Fight the good fight of faith. See, the only good fight is what? A faith fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Now, when you give your life to Christ by grace, you're saved by grace, what? Through faith. Faith is the force that accesses your salvation, that releases the spirit, the grace of God to regenerate you, to born, to make you born again. But the Bible says that when you give your life to Christ, 
we receive, the saints receive, Colossians says, the inheritance of the first brother, the firstborn, Jesus. So he's already given you access to his inheritance. It's yours. It's your right that you are will. And he has already died in the earth and rose again. So if someone's deceased and they let make you a beneficiary of their inheritance, why are you waiting till you get to heaven after you're dead to get it? Why don't you get it while you're where? On earth. I mean, you're really not going to fight till you what? Get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Today, my weight's about 30 pounds more than it should be. <clears throat> but I can moan and groan and make excuses. But this is my standard. Now, when I dwell on it, it makes me mad and I'm getting ready to change that. I'm doing some things and dropped about 10 pounds. But I'm getting ready to get real intense by November and I'm going to get under 200 pounds. But, but, but I got to activate that by getting a vision for it, focusing on it and do healthy things to get there. As much as I dislike being overweight 30 pounds, guess what? That's my standard. If your car is junky and not clean, don't say when you get a new car to be clean. It'll be junky and dirty too. I got some, I got a, a younger teenager that can prove that to you. But anyway, in my house, whatever your standard is, you'll just mess up and junk up and keep a new car dirty because that's your standard. God does not control your standard, my friend. You set your standard. I set my standard. And we may be in denial about what our standard is, but it is what it is. And we can sit around and say, well, why did they get healed? And why did they lose all that weight? And why did they get that job? Why did they? Because they weren't focused on what you're getting. They were focused on the promises God said about them and they were going for it. By what? The good fight of faith. Look at this. Lay hold on. Stop looking at eternal life that's out there in the by and by. Here's when people have the greatest faith ever. When they pass away. They have no more pain, no more sorrow. And this is, this is too many Christians faith pose. When they get to the place of no lack, no sorrow, no suffering, here they are. <clears throat> that really looks just like them, doesn't it? Wow, the mortician did a better job than what they did daily on themselves. But there, they tweaked their eyebrows. They look, their eyebrows, they must have tweezered those eyebrows. They got the hair out of his ears. That's a blessing. But here's where our faith is. When we pass away, that's the only time that we see people as winners. Which they did win because the Bible says what? To be absent from the body is what? Be present where? With the Lord. So, so yeah, they're, they've left this world and now they have no needs. But the whole thing that Jesus is trying to teach you and Paul is trying to teach you and the writers of the epistles and so on are trying to teach you is that you have the ability through faith to access, lay hold of eternal life now. You have the access to release the ability of God and plan of God over your life. Now. 
The only thing stopping you is you. Not your wife, your husband, your cat, your dog, your kids, your preacher, your job, your employer. No, you. You. The Bible says God is what? No respecter of persons. So he's not going to respect me anymore. He does you. You know where it starts, guys? Here's where it starts. If I want to walk at another level, I got to raise my standard. I got to raise my standard. If I want better health, I got to set a different health standard. If I want to do better in my finances, I got to raise the standard of my finances and what outcome I'm believing for and what it takes to get there. I got to put a plan together. If I want better relationships, I need to study and learn and grow in how to have good relationships. So I got to raise my standard. How do I get the outcome I want if I don't set the outcome? I, I, I'll tell you here. Anybody in here need more money? Okay, okay. Elijah, walk up here. Hurry, come here. Rick, somebody, does anybody have a dollar bill in their pocket? Just a dollar. Don't want a 10 or a 20. Anybody have a dollar? Got a dollar? Just a dollar. Man, look at him. Mark's have to go. He's blessed. He's having to go through there hard to find a dollar. That's for the kids. So if you're praying, Lord, I just need a financial breakthrough. God, I just need blessing. I need more money, Lord. Okay, here's your dollar. Man, I wish I'd asked for a thousand or ten thousand or a million. Thank you, Elijah. You just made a buck, man. God bless you. Thank you, Mark, for sowing that seat. Mark said, I'm just glad it wasn't a hundred. Praise God. But you see what I mean? If I don't set an outcome, no one, get this, get this, if we're going to pray, get this. Look at your neighbor, touch him, get this. You set your standard by the outcomes you set. Not your parents. Some of you still, well, I'm just messy because my mama was OCD. No, you're just messy because your standard is messy. I just have a temper because I have red hair. My daddy had red hair and he had, no, you just have a temper because you're a hothead. If you set the standard differently, then God's godliness will meet you there. Man, that's hot. God's godliness will meet me wherever my standard is. And partner with me as I partner with him and the Holy Spirit through his word to meet the outcome, not the preacher boy set, I said. You get exactly what you will put up with. I said this when I was a youth pastor 30 years ago or more, about 30 years ago. I know I'm only 19, so I'm 49. 30 years ago. And, and I said this sentence and they embroidered it, put it on a sign and gave it to me and all that years later, well, even during that time. What you tolerate, you will never change. What you tolerate, you will never, you never change. But not only will you not change, what you tolerate, you will never change. And sooner or later, you will replace it with something or someone else. So you keep tolerating that marriage and they're tolerating that marriage sooner or later. That doesn't mean they'll replace it with another person. They might replace it with a hobby. They might replace it with a job. There's different ways to replace something other than a person. 
But when that which is precious to you becomes ordinary, you will soon replace it with something or someone else. That's the quote. So what's precious to me, if I don't keep it precious, sooner or later I will replace it with something or someone else. So you need to determine what is precious to you. People trade their health for things that are unhealthy. We trade our finances for things that are not profitable. We trade our influence for things that don't bring influence in return. We trade our ideas for worse ideas. You reap what you sow. It's the way it goes. So here's my goal is to get you to fight what? The good fight of faith. Because the rest of it's not profitable. Fight the good fight of faith laid hold on eternal life to which we were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So let's all stand. And I want you to realize that 1 Timothy tells us there, you have been called what? To fight. You're in a world that you're going to fight or you're just going to get beat up all the time. You're in a world that you're going to have to fight. You live in a cursed world. It is cursed because of Adam and Eve betraying God. And it broke God's heart. So he gave us the, Romans 5 tells us, the second Adam, Jesus, who became our grace. And we are saved by grace through faith for his sacrifice. I didn't get to a scripture in Romans that talks about it. I'll get to it next week. But it talks about all this rides on the fact that God let his son die so you could live and so I could live. And out of that, we talk about the resurrection, but we don't talk about the power of it. Now, we talked about it for 40 days or more after, during Easter and after. And I taught you about how to access the power of the resurrection. And we'll get into that a little more too. But what is it right now that you've kind of backed off and haven't fought for? What is it? Close your eyes right now. What is it? If you picked one thing today and said, that's worth fighting for. Is spending more time with your family or your grandkids by just taking care of your health worth fighting for? Is getting debt free so that when you get a little older and you do find the right person and want to get married, you're not bringing a bunch of debt into the marriage? Is that calling that's been pounding in your heart since you was a little child that you just keep pushing to the back worth fighting for? Is that anointing that the godliness seems to be too big of a price to pay worth fighting for? Is that forgiveness that you need to sow towards someone that doesn't deserve it so you can be free of offense? Is it worth fighting for? Is the standard you have physically, spiritually, morally, emotionally, financially, is it worth fighting for? So I'm going to pray here in just a moment, but I want to ask you, your husbands, put that one thing in front of your face right now that you say, that's worth fighting for. That's worth. And then when the temptation comes to do what you've always done, put that person, that thing, that image back in front of you and remind yourself what 
what you're fighting for. What are you fighting for? It all is fighting the good fight of faith. Now, faith is a substance of things confidently expected. What you confidently expect attaches to the force of faith. The worlds, Hebrews 11, 3, said the worlds were were what? Formed through the word of God by faith. By faith, the word of God was released to form the worlds. It says also in Hebrews 11 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why is that? Well, number one, without faith, you can't be born again. Number two, without faith, you can't walk out his will and his plan for your life. That's why it's not pleasing. It's not that he hates you or doesn't. He loves you. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loved you before you were saved, so he's going to love you after you're saved, even if you go to heaven early and miss it. It just is not pleasing to him. It's pleasing to him to see you to be the head and not the tail. It's pleasing to him to see you above and not beneath. It's pleasing to him to see you pre- your bosom full, pressed out, shaking and running over. It's pleasing to him to see you healed and you winning others to Christ and loving others who are less fortunate. So I'm going to pray here in about 10 seconds, but I want you to get that on your heart. And when you have what it is, just close your eyes, raise both hands. And that, that's a sign for me. I can go on and pray. Maybe you're far away from Christ today. And you just need to say, Christ, come back into my heart. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. All you got to do in Romans 10 says is that you believe in your heart, confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart and say, I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Messiah. And I accept you as to be the Lord of my heart right now in Jesus' name. That's all you got to do. That's it. Now I'm going to put my faith with your faith right now. But one more time, for five seconds, put that image. What's that image that's going to motivate you? What's that image that, that needs to break? What's that image right now that's going to cause you to live healthier, live stronger, live more with more vitality, that's going to cause you cross your relationships to be better, your finances to be better, your walk with God to be better? I'm going to pray. Father, I just thank you for everyone right now. We wrap our faith together with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. When you said, God, that your promises for us are in Christ, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We know that when we became born again, we're wrapped in Christ, the hope of his glory. And right now, Father, we just thank you for his presence in our life and the Holy Spirit releasing his wisdom and understanding and favor over us, releasing your promises from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Stir up your gifts in us, Father, that we can have access to the gifts we need to reach the standard we have set today that's in agreement with your word. Let it be done now in Jesus' name. If you believe that, give God a big shout. Come on, give God a big shout. Amen.